The word of God for a meditation this week is Genesis chapter 2, the creation of Adam, beginning at verse 4, reading various verses. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God put the, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. This is the word of the Lord. The creation had been going on now for six days. In the first chapter of Genesis, actually, Moses, our author, outlines the whole seven-day creation. But now in chapter 2, we've gone back in time just a little bit to sit there in the sixth day of creation. The previous day, uh, God uh, uh, created birds and other flying things to, to, to inhabit the sky. And, and then on, uh, beyond the shore of the, of, the, of the land, in the water, it was just teeming with, with fish and all the other things that swim in the sea and in the water. And now on the sixth day of creation, uh, God began to create the animals. And Moses gives us the classic uh, sort of taxonomy or list of the land animals, which are the the, uh, the, the, the domestic animals, and then the wild animals, and then the crawling animals. And although other passages in the Bible help us to understand what's meant by those things, really common sense will help you to fill in the blanks of what's meant by all of those. We understand from the text that these days of creation were regular 24-hour days. Why? Well, for two reasons. Number one, God says through Moses uh, that each day has an evening and a morning. So as the, as, the, as the light dawns and as the light fades, that's a day and it's going on. And Moses' readers, uh, probably at the foot of Mount Sinai in the spring of 1446 B.C., when he's writing this in Exodus, uh, uh, they understand that days then were days as they were for them and as they are today for us. There's also a, a passage, in the, it's actually in the Third Commandment, I think, where uh, we read that just as God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested, so also man will rest from his labor in the same week uh, and, and have an opportunity to rest and to worship. But now in the creation of animals, uh, God stops. All the animals have been made. The birds are all there, the fish are all there, the, the animals are all there. But God has one last creation, and now he changes how he does it. Here now, he forms man, Adam. 
Now, in our text, Eve hasn't been formed yet. We don't have the first marriage. But God is forming Adam. And before we talk about that, uh, I think I should pause here and answer a question that a lot of people ask when they're reading from Genesis 2. And that is, what does the Holy Spirit mean when he says no shrub or plant had yet sprung up? Because we kind of wonder about that since on the third day of creation we're told that God made all the plants. And so, you know, the trees came up and the grasses and so forth. Well, the verse itself in Genesis 2 helps us. In Hebrew, it's not just the, the no shrub or plant had yet sprung up. The phrases are actually a little bit longer and a little more awkward and clunky. Uh, and they kind of read this way, I, I guess in English, no shrub of the field had yet come up, no plant of the field had yet come up, and wow, I don't blame any translator for wanting to kind of condense that and make it go more smoothly. But what does God mean by shrub of the field, plant of the field? Well, he explains it in the, in the end of the very same verse. He says there was no one to work the ground. And what are the shrubs of the field and the plants of the field? Well, those aren't the wild things, the grasses and the trees and so forth and the flowers. What are they? We would call them the crops of the field. And God, for whatever reason, probably so that mankind would understand the significance, God withheld the, uh, the, the growing of these things. He didn't just say, let there be and there were for, for, for those particular plants. He let them grow so that Adam and Eve and their, and their children down the road would understand that these things come up and they could be useful to us. Look, there's stuff growing on that big stalk over there. I'm going to tell you, it's corn and, 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 or wheat or whatever it is. And so God probably delayed that for the benefit of Adam and Eve and for all mankind to show them the significance. But the focus here isn't on the, the, the animals or the agriculture or the horticulture of, 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 the, of the world before the flood. Our focus really is simply on the creation of man, especially of Adam, and this is what Moses describes for us. And as God formed man, he gave him seven blessings in our text. Uh, apart from the blessing of, of the image of God, which we talked about, or rather God talks about in chapter 1, and which man lost in the fall. Uh, but here in chapter 2, there are seven blessings that we retain even after the fall and which we will still have and enjoy in eternity. And let's just get right to them because the very first gift God gives to Adam is his form. God carefully crafted Adam out of the dirt. And we came really close to having a children's devotion today that would have utilized mud pies or something like that. And I, I opted for a little finger show of what the days of creation were. Um, but God carefully shaped Adam because he cared about his form and Eve's as well. And he labored over us in a way that he didn't, over anything else in the creation. This reminds us and, and preaches to us that those who mutilate their bodies or who want to make a, a drastic change in their form, for example, changing their gender intentionally, violates God's will against our form and against God's word. The second gift that God gives is life. And just as God gave life to the plants and to the animals and then gave uh, uh, life also to mankind, 
Uh, God, however, set a couple of restrictions. There's a a single restriction on the plants, we're coming to that later, uh, a general restriction on animals and what mankind could eat, um, we're coming to that later as well. But God also puts a universal restriction on life. Do not take a human life. Uh, that even includes, as Jesus tells us, don't, don't harm somebody or bully them or even hate them in your heart. All of these things violate the fifth commandment. And there are lots of other ways to break the fifth commandment but it boils down to don't murder. And we sin against this commandment in any of the ways that we even approach hating our neighbor. The third gift God gave to man was the soul. And the soul is immortal. While the mind is the repository of reason and learning and, and our memory, the soul is an essential part of man's nature. The soul, we understand, is created at the conception of each of us individually. That's where the soul comes from. It's not as if God has a big bucket of souls and he shovels them out, but no, it's created when we are created. And the soul is the essence of our being. And if you wonder about what the soul is as opposed to the body, well, we have an excellent recurring picture in the Bible of a soul, a spirit that doesn't have a body. And this is the picture God gives of each of the angels as they appear, as God sends them to do his tasks. And what we learn about the angels, who are essentially spirits or souls without bodies, we learn about our individual souls as well. God sometimes actually permits angels to be seen, doesn't he? Well, could our soul be seen? Well, I can't see my soul, and you can't see my soul. But one day, and in fact in heaven, when before the resurrection, you and I will I think, see each other in heaven as our souls. But let's come back to that, uh, maybe some other time. But the angels also have other things that our souls have. Angels have personality. They have intelligence, strength, courage, speed, uh, a memory, a sense of humor, the ability to sing, and most important of all, faith, trust in God. And the human soul, likewise, has all of these characteristics. The fourth gift that God gives to man then is a home, a place to live. And just as God gave our world a, a place to live in the, in the solar system, in the greater region of the galaxy, he also gave man a particular home in the Garden of Eden. And for many of us, the image the Bible paints of the Garden of Eden is the most vivid picture we have of what life will be like in heaven forever. Except that we know that heaven will, if it's possible, be more perfect, more beautiful, more spectacular, and, and, and more lush and joyful than even the Garden of Eden ever was. And we also understand that we sin against this gift and God's will when we unnecessarily damage our world and waste its resources or sin against the ninth commandment, coveting what God has not given to us personally. The fifth gift is food. And here we came to some of those restrictions I talked about earlier. To Adam, God gave the fruit of every single fruit-bearing, and by that we understand that it would also be every seed-bearing and nut-bearing tree in the Garden of Eden. All of it was for Adam's food, with only one exception. Later, God expanded this to every green plant. 
And later on, God expanded that to certain animals. The animals we call the clean animals. And if you want to learn about the clean animals, then read Leviticus 11. But later on, he removed all of those restrictions, which is why we don't have to worry about clean and unclean anymore. God removed all those restrictions in a vision given to the Apostle Peter at Joppa in the book of Acts, realizing now, or rather letting man realize now, that nothing is forbidden to us in the, in the way of food. We simply give thanks to God for whatever we have and we eat it to God's glory. And we realize then that we sin against this gift and against God's will for food when anyone makes any unnecessary restrictions or forbids anyone to eat any particular foods or to eat food at a particular time. We give glory to God and that's his will for us. The sixth gift that God gives to Adam is the gift of work. And God gave Adam uh, not only a particular place, but a place that was perhaps unique in time and space in the world where Adam could, at least for a short time, view and inspect every living creature, every animal on the, on the face of the earth and the birds as well, because God gave Adam the task to name all of them. And we know that n none of them are in the same place today. They all kind of left, but Adam named them before that happened. And God also gave Adam other work to do. His work was to, to care for the garden. And here we maybe come back to those plants of the field, the crops of the field that had not yet come up when Adam was first formed. And then Adam was given the, 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 the task to work the garden to work the fields, to, uh, to cherish and tend the plants. And vines, you know, they need to be cared for and, 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 and tied up and helped along and so forth. And God gave Adam that work to do. And we sin against God's word and God's will for us when we lazily shy away from whatever labor or work that God has given to us to do. Or when we say, I'm not up to that task, and yet God has said, you do that task. Now each of these gifts that God gave Adam to do continue to be gifts for all of us, even after the fall of sin. And, and although I mentioned ways that we break God's will along with each one of these gifts, we know that there are a lot of other ways that we break God's will as well. We commit sins, we're born sinful, and that's where God's seventh gift comes in. The gift of worship. Now, the worship that God gave to Adam was a single command for him. There was no church. There were no pews. There was no organization. There were no other people yet. God simply gave Adam one thing. It wasn't even prayer because Adam walked with God and talked with him in person. But what did God give to Adam? A command. That one tree over there, don't eat that one. So that Adam... Could, could, could pick any other fruit any other, from any other tree and know that it was perfectly good and God-pleasing. Coconut, great. Banana, great. Apple, fantastic. Pomegranate, wonderful. Whatever fruit that one tree had, and, and I don't think it's around anymore, but whatever fruit it was, Adam had to stay away. Had, Adam had to not eat it, rather. Wow, I should be careful because I almost did what Eve did, talking to the devil about the fruit, didn't I? Because God did not say, 
don't touch it. God did not say don't look at it. God did not say uh, 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 don't even walk around the tree or, or, or boy, avoid the... Uh, all God said was don't eat it. If one of the fruit falls, just leave it. Don't eat it. If it looks really good and you're hungry, look over there and grab a banana instead. That was the act of worship that Adam had, just obeying the one command so that no matter what Adam was doing all day long, he was giving glory to God and worshiping him by simply doing this and not what God had commanded him not to do. The worship that God has given to us is similar to that. And how do I mean that? Well, Adam was, in, in, in the command not to eat of the one, was nevertheless relying on God to provide everything else. Fruit doesn't last forever. And God supplied for Adam what Adam needed, even though this one resource of all the seven gifts, food was the one that, that has to be renewed. And in our worship, God continues to supply what has to be renewed for us daily, weekly, monthly, throughout our year. Because of our fallen, sinful condition that we live in now, we must have the gospel. Because without the gospel, we would not know the forgiveness of our sins. We would be lost. We would never have known it, but we must have baptism. Why? Because without baptism, we would not understand that God's forgiveness applies to us directly, even when we're little babies. We would not have known this without God's word, but we must have the Lord's Supper. Because without it, we would not know whether God's forgiveness applies to us directly right now, forgiving my sins. And all the other things we have, we must have the confession of sins and the absolution. We must have a prayer, the ability to communicate with God. We must confess our faith together so that we join together in, 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 in affirming what we believe. We need the Bible itself, the Holy Scriptures, that tell us who God is and what he has done for us. We need the gathering of the church, people coming together in worship. Without these things, we would despair. We would begin to wonder after a while whether, whether God has, has abandoned me. We would begin to wonder and, and doubt, did, did God ever even love me? This doubt going on for a while would make someone even wonder, does God even exist? And then downward, downward into a spiral of doubt and, 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 and despair that would lead only to death. But God has given us so many things to show us not only his existence, but his love for us. He gives us the gift of worship so that we know who he is and what he has done, and we can encourage one another. Before Adam was ever tempted or fell, God supplied everything that we need, not only physically, but spiritually as well. God gave us a form and life and the soul. God gave us a home and food and work. And most of all, God has given us a way to worship. And all of the forms of worship that we know and enjoy today are simply a response to the forgiveness we have from Christ. Through Jesus, we continue to worship him here on earth 
and we will continue to worship him forever in heaven. God's many gifts have come to us today through many means, but the gift of worship, the desire to worship, the goal of our worship remains the same, to give glory to God and to cherish the forgiveness that comes through the blood of Christ shed on the cross that is covered over all of our sins forever. Amen.